Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we're going to be talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. With regards to what? Well, with regards to Sunny in Philadelphia. Excellent. It's one of our favourite comedy shows. We love it. Don't we, Luke? I think it might be my favourite. It's really close for me. Mm. I don't know what I'm comparing it to anymore. (laughs) Arrested Development? I've been watching Arrested Development on Netflix as I cook, and I do love it still. Mm. There's stuff in that show I I missed. I, I don't know how I missed that Rock, Paper, Scissors gag. Uh, where Michael and Job are fighting and Michael has a giant rock and Job has a giant pair of scissors. <laughs> Michael breaks it and then they and then the narrator goes, The whole thing was covered by the paper. <laughs> and I was like, How did I pick that not pick that up like the five times I've seen that? But anyway, um We're talking about Philly. Yes. And the wonderfulness I was test with how good Arrested Development is we very very quickly forgot that we were talking about Philly and started talking about Arrested Development very good show I could have done that with Simpsons or Faulty Towers maybe Frasier but okay so Philly here's the point about Philly what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about blind obsessions so in comedy um, the humour comes from the fact that so in comedy I forget who said this I forget who said this. I know John Cleese quoted it, but I can't remember who said it, who he was quoting. The different... I think he said this. Shit. I don't remember. doesn't matter. The point is, uh, the difference between comedy and tragedy is distance. You're emotionally distant in comedy, whereas in tragedy, you're very emotionally invested. Part of that comes from a lack of dimension in the character, okay? And part of that comes from the fact that you can't fully empathize with the comic character because what they do is they make the character lack self-awareness the character is blind to the risks <laughs> and is blind to their own desire in a way they know what they want but they don't there's something there's like a fog over them and because we're distant from them we don't feel that pitiable for them they can't see through it it makes us laugh and they have a blind obsession now in in a full-length story the character's spine of action and the object of desire that they're pursuing and their blind obsession are completely linked. It's one for one. Just in the same way you don't have multiple desires, they don't have multiple blind obsessions. So in a film, that's not the case. So, for example, a film like There's Something About Mary. Yeah. His blind obsession is Mary. Yeah. He doesn't have any other blind obsession. All their blind... Don't they each? each yeah. Do they all share the blind obsession? That's true, and they do it in different ways. So, so his blind obsession specifically is being the good guy. Yeah. Okay. He's the good guy, and that's linked to Mary. Okay. His pursuit of Mary. He wants Mary, but he has to do it by being the good guy, which is actually also what Michael Bluth's blind dimension, blind obsession is. He's the good guy. He thinks he's a good guy. He's yeah. not. He thinks he is, but he's not. <laughs> um. So that's his blind obsession. Uh, other comedy films will have similar things. Um, so, um, uh, like, um, why can't I think of a single comedy film? There aren't any. Okay, there are none. There's only one comedy film. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Film. Okay. <laughs> they don't realise they're stupid. Yeah. If they stopped one day, Lloyd and Harry, and went, I don't think we're very smart. Maybe we should go to school. All right. <laughs> It, there's no, there's no, we're laughing obviously, but the, it wouldn't be funny. Um, but the fun of it is he, and he also, uh, his blind obsession is Mary, is again Mary. Yeah. Uh, both Samsonite, both Farrelly brothers films, ah. both pursuing Marys. Um, Mary, yeah. So he wants Mary, but he's blind to the risks involved in getting her. And anyway, so they're blind in their obsessions, and that's linked directly to their spine of action. It's a full-length story. There's only one, but. In a sitcom, where you have multiple episodes a season, and then multiple seasons, you can't just have the character have one thing they're obsessed with. They might be obsessed with one thing in one episode, absolutely, but that obsession will change in different episodes, so that they have some variety to them. The character will obviously be consistent in their own way, but 
these obsessions, they'll have different types of obsessions that trigger them in different ways. Yeah. So the inciting incident for a plot in an episode would bring about a new blind obsession, which would yeah, or or say a character has like say built into him three or four different blind yeah, obsessions. Sure. Like okay, it's one of those episodes versus one of those episodes. Yeah. So uh, and in Philly, they all have multiple blind obsessions. They're all grotesque. Um, so okay, so let's take for example Dennis. Okay. So Dennis Reynolds, played by Glenn Howerton, right? His blind obsessions. So one of them is he thinks he's a great romantic. <laughs> when in fact he's a serial rapist. Right? <laughs> Luke's stifling the laugh. But I'm trying. I don't know why he would stifle this. But it's true. Right? He's... So there's, there's an episode. There's an episode where they're playing a game where they have to sculpt things. <laughs> they have to sculpt things out. This of- is in the new season, Charlie <laughs> McDennis Two Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. It's episode one of the new season. <laughs> they have to sculpt things as part of the game. Uh, they have to, so the other person on the team has to guess what they're sculpting, and what they have to sculpt is love. And Mac, Mac Dennis. We'll get to Max oh, yeah. in a bit. <laughs> but Dennis, Dennis has sculpted eight. Scared, open-eyed head, woman's head, right? She's terrified, but just the head, and it's in a box, right? It's not in a box, though. It's not in a box. She goes, why is the head in the box? It's not a box, it's a freezer. So why have you put a woman's head in the freezer? It's love, Dee. How is that love? That's just psychotic. No, it's love. The love is eternal. It's been frozen for all time. Uh, so there's, there's one bit where he gets embarrassed at a high school reunion and he storms to his car and in his car there's a secret compartment filled with duct tape and zip zip handcuffs and things like that and he's like I need my tools I need my tools so but in his head he thinks these women love him. He thinks he's a Don Juan, the Marco type guy. He thinks he's this incredible romantic. He thinks he is a five star man, which is one. That's so a one episode is all about uh, dating. This new dating app shows up called uh, Bunches, wasn't uh, it called Bunches? Bunches. Uh, yeah. And the idea is you go on group dates together, and so, and you can rate the men. And Dennis can't handle. The fact that women are rating him zero stars, uh, and so he starts screaming, "I'm a five star man! I'm a five star man!" Right? So he thinks he is a, uh, this fantastic romantic. He is, in fact, a serial. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of his obsessions. That's one. The other obsession that he has is that he is the golden god. The Golden God! He calls himself that. He calls himself the Golden God. He thinks he's really cool and popular and fantastic and awesome. And, of course, he isn't. He's a loser. Um, There's a high school reunion where he's been saying for seven seasons (laughs) how he was the Golden God at school. Everyone loved him. He was a legend, as he calls himself. All these things. And when we get to high school, it turns out no one liked him. He didn't have minions, as he claimed. He would come in, scream he was a golden god, and then storm out and get high. That was ha- that was it. He was never cool. So, he thinks he's the golden god. He is not the golden god. Another of his... <laughs> These guys what are messed up. What makes, I know we're going to go through more, but what makes these such fantastic blind obsessions... Is that even when these characters are faced with irrefutable evidence to the contrary, they are just absolutely like, with the exception yeah. of Mac, which we'll, <laughs> we'll get to, which we'll get to. The, yeah, they, they, they. There's a great bit in Arrested Development, right? There is a great bit where Tobias Funke, who is a psychologist or used to be a psychologist, says to Lucille Bluth, the horrible matriarch of the family. He says to her, you know, there's a thing in psychology called denial, which is when an idea is so repellent that the mind literally rejects it. And she says to him, you are a worse psychologist than you are a son-in-law and you will never make it as an actor because you have no real talent. (laughs) And he just goes, 
well, if she's not going to say anything, I can't help her and walks off. <laughs> right? And so that's, that's exactly. And of course, David Cross, who plays Tobias, just does this brilliant bit where there's a moment where the character does hear her, but then, like, represses it and carries on. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that thing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's blind obsessions, right? <laughs> the evidence is presented; they they just can't see through it. Is Dennis just have the two long running? No, he thinks he's a psychologist. Dennis, oh no, God, he does, doesn't right? He? Yeah. he thinks he's a psychologist. Who <laughs> there's an episode where they they go to see a real psychologist and he acts like she he's her peer. <laughs> there's an episode where they want to get into <laughs> they want to get into the mind of a serial killer. And because he's a psychologist, he decides that the best thing to do is to become a serial killer. Uh, and they think about killing one of the recurring characters in the show. Um, that's another one of his blind obsessions. Uh, I think he has... Oh, uh, he's not aging. He's super healthy. That's one of his obsessions. When in fact he's got anemia and multiple vitamin deficiencies, and is actually really, really unhealthy. Um, like there's there's a scene where uh, D says you're going bald at the back of your head. He goes, why would you say that, D? Why? And he just screams at her because the idea that he could be going bald. Another one is that he's cool, laid back, but in fact he is completely filled with rage. And just flies off at the, the slightest provocation of anything. Um, but yeah, he, he thinks like, you know, I'm cool. I'm laid back. I used to be the cool guy. I used to be the laid back guy. But you guys just keep winding me up. I, I've had enough of you guys. And he leaves them and he just keeps screaming because he's just so angry all the time. He's just this bubbling, <laughs> this bubbling cauldron of rage. That's five, right? Yeah. That's five obsessions at least. But then there's ones that... That's are, not... That's... Go on. There, there, there are... It's correct if I'm wrong. There are ones that they would just have for an episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there are. Um, so but that, that's like five major ones in his character. And they're all yeah. sort of built around the same thing, which is his narcissism. And narcissism is a trait they all share. They all share the narcissism. But he, his, his comes out as... Um, he is amazing in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's professional all that stuff. It's not the case, say, for Mac. Mm-hmm. So Mac, as you remember, we're talking about the head in the box thing. So yeah. Mac had to sculpt love, and he sculpted a, a giant penis. <laughs> and when Charlie says, "Why? how is that love for you? And he goes, it's Cupid's arrow. <laughs> he goes, why does it have veins on it? <laughs> Those aren't veins. Those are the bits in the wood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he it's, thinks he's straight, but in fact he's gay. Yeah, uh, he's gotten more gay as the show's gone on. Yes, um, <laughs> but going get, see this the the point I'm, I was making earlier about <laughs> these characters being so blind yeah. that they never ever uh, realize. In the latest episode, um, they address yeah. Max's sexuality. Yes, and he comes out. Yes. In the big two-parter at the end, the, yeah. the gang goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> right at the end, he comes out. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> because he thinks he's got, but um, because he thinks that they're, they're, no they're about to die, yeah. like that's it. Like he he's gay and he comes out. And then when they're saved, uh, he just completely swallows it back up and yeah. just goes back again. Yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah I can't be gay yeah, uh, because that wasn't what God would want for me. So. Yeah, <laughs> just which, goes back to which is his other blind obsession. That he's a, that he's a devout, born again Christian yeah. when in fact he's such an odious person. He doesn't know anything about. Like, there's a bit where Charlie goes, "How about you read the Bible just once?" <laughs> like, he doesn't know anything about religion at all, but he thinks he's a really like devout Christian that's, that's going to. Guy. He thinks he's going to heaven. He's convinced he's this blind obsessionist. He's going to heaven, and he's just such a horrible man. Uh, so, was the, the, that episode where they're putting uh, the, he wants a Jesus on a cross up in the bar, and he's just like more blood. The giant crucifix yeah. covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he wants to do. He's such a devout Christian. He thinks that more blood on the crucifix <laughs> is proof of your belief. Uh, so yeah, he's just. He he thinks he's a Christian. Uh, uh, he's also a martial artist. He thinks he's a tough martial yeah. artist bodyguard. <laughs> he's 
none of those things. Like the bit where he thinks he can out, where Charlie has a gun and he has a sword, and he thinks he can get to Charlie before he's shot, and Charlie's just showing that he just shoot him repeatedly. He gets to him. Um, or uh, he's it, trying to jump out the swimming pool. It's <laughs> oh, fine. I'll just do a I'll just do a backflip. I'll do a roundhouse kick. Yeah. How about you take one karate lesson? He <laughs> uh, can't do any of that stuff. Um, yeah, he's. <laughs> He's, he's, yeah, so yeah, Mac has got considerable uh, problems. There is there's one episode about with his gay obsession. If you remember this one, where they all split up, the gang splits up, and Mac is at a um, nightclub, and he sees a guy dancing with two women, and he goes, "That's what I could, that's what I want," and everyone thinks, "Okay, now that the gang isn't around, he's just going to admit being gay." <laughs> But actually, he gets this uh, woman from the club, and he goes, I'm going to go bang this girl. All this time, I thought I could only handle sevens, but I reckon I can have a ten. So he, he starts, so he's going into the back office of the thing, and they, they hear all these sex sounds, and they, they decide they want to get back together again, but Mac won't want to because he's having sex with this woman. And they storm in on him as they're making sounds, and they're both fully clothed, reading other <laughs> things. And it's like, oh, dude, No. <laughs> What's going on? And she's like, he can't even get it up. <laughs> like that. And he goes, uh, it's not, she's not even that hot. She is very, very hot. And it's just, hey, Mac, do you want to go back to how it was before? Any of this? Like, yes. <laughs> so, like, he, he does, it's like, like Tobias, there's a part of him that knows but can't ever admit it to himself, which is kind of even funnier that they actually do know in a way. And there's, like, there's a part of them that, like, that deep down they know. Um, but, yeah. So he's gay. He's Chris. He thinks he's he's a gay. He's gay. He's gay, but he doesn't think he is. Yeah. He's he's Christian, but isn't. He's tough, but isn't. Um, he's incredibly competitive, but then they're all incredibly competitive yeah, and narcissistic again. Yes. Uh, and he has those obsessions for just one episode, like when he wants to be in the mafia, or when he wants to fake his death. I do. You know what? I don't remember that episode. Well, he wants to fake his death. Yeah. <laughs> the mafia are after him. I don't remember. No, no, it's not the mafia. His dad is coming after oh, him. Oh, right, right, right. And he yeah. wants to fake his death, and they steal Dee's car. And, they <laughs> and he decides to drive the car into a wall. <laughs> they put teeth all inside the car for <laughs> dental records. The idea is they drive the car into the wall, and it looks, <laughs> it'll explode. So he drives, and he's like, I'll hit it to 100 miles an hour. Jump out just for the end. It's the wall explodes and of course he just drives the car straight into the wall the airbag goes off he gets concussion the car doesn't explode or anything and he spends the rest of the episode in a bridal gown <laughs> do you not remember this? I don't remember that was two parter that's another of his obsessions that his dad loves him ah yeah 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 oh because I was going to say there's another episode where um, he's determined to get his dad out of prison yeah. and uh, ends up killing him <laughs> Yes, that episode is called <laughs> Matt Kills, Matt kills his, dad. his Dad. Yeah, I did the title sequences used as a joke every episode. Yeah, just like they don't waste a second on that show. <laughs> and it's kind of the same joke every time. Like, what's the worst that could happen? The gang has the worst thing that could possibly yeah. happen. You know, it's just, but it's great. <laughs> what's the worst that could, thing that could happen on this Christian cruise? The gang goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, uh, Charlie. Okay, so Charlie, Charlie thinks he's a lawyer that specialises in bird law. That's one of his obsessions. I'm a lawyer that specialises in bird law. Oh no, the podcast. What happened to it? The bird law thing. Um, he thinks that he's really normal and well-adjusted. He goes, yeah, milk steak. She'll know what that is. No one knows what milk steak is. Like, he constantly thinks he's normal. It's, it's normal to eat energy balls. And says, no, no, Charlie, it isn't normal what you're doing. Um, eating pain. Eating pain. It's like, are you, I think you're not listening to me right now. It's like, no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> like, he doesn't admit that he's dyslexic. He doesn't. I was going to say, he thinks he's, he's he, like, Charlie's literate. He, th- he he's, thinks he's literate, yeah. but he's not. Um <laughs> And one of his other blind obsessions is the waitress. Yeah. Um, that's one of his things. One uh, of the darker ones, just thinking about it, like to match up with Dennis's one, um, 
uh, his uncle. Like, doesn't he think he had a normal childhood, but actually it's heavily implied yeah, he, he was... he thinks he has a normal childhood, but yeah. actually his backstory is Rorschach from Watchmen. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's exactly that. Uh, he was aborted. Oh, he, but it didn't He take. was a failed abortion. He's a failed abortion. He's sleeping in the same house as his dad, who won't admit that he's his dad because he's Frank's dad, son. <laughs> like, so... Yeah, in the same th- bed. This is the thing: it's like he thinks he's normal, well-adjusted. Right. He's actually a grotesque abomination. <laughs> um, he thinks he's a lawyer. There's one episode where he thinks he's super smart. <laughs> I have grown wary. <laughs> That's exactly. Um, he thinks he's super smart. Um, there's and he's always putting on disguises. He thinks he's the wild card. <laughs> yeah, he's obsessed with being the wild card. He's obsessed um, with that kind of stuff. So he has his obsessions as well. Does he have any more that we can think of that are long-running obsessions of his? Uh, sorry, you mentioned the waitress. You uh, mentioned the yeah. Oh, cheese. A cheese is a <laughs> cheese. He loves his cheese. He can't handle it. Uh, he just constantly devours cheese. Uh, there's a number of times where he's thrown it. <laughs> Sorry, I was just recording. This is all this podcast is. is do you remember that episode? <laughs> um, Don't worry, it gets good, guys. Where he turns up and he's just got a, a bag of spaghetti. Oh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> no, what's, what's your spaghetti policy here? <laughs> it's, a, it's a plastic bag. Yeah, plastic full bag. Of full of spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. Like, but he's eating with his hands. He is. Uh, his obsession with uh, the sewer that yeah. is clean. It's not <laughs> clean. Um... His obsession. Uh, I feel so, like some some of the, some of these are. Oh, there we are. Okay, but it doesn't matter. It's Philly. <laughs> it should blur together. Uh, but because the characters have a series of dimensions, they're consistent, and they're not just random obsessions. They're all sort of connected. So the, I mean, if you had to, but just because Charlie, I find the most difficult to to sort of <laughs> boil down. Well, one of his obsessions is that he's a really, really good janitor. Yeah. Right? That's one of his key obsessions. Yeah. The, the whole episode Charlie work is built around it, but you've seen it in other episodes where he's all about, I'm a great janitor. Sometimes he gets he's a job not. at a school. Sometimes he is, yeah. He's a janitor. Um, but, yeah, he gets to... Yeah, you're quite right. He does do that as well. So he thinks he's a great janitor. He thinks he's a great lawyer. He thinks he's got a chance with the waitress. He thinks uh, that he's normal and well-adjusted. Are they, do you think they're all sort of built around the same idea that Charlie is... Um, that Charlie's normal, but is actually not normal? I'm not saying that he's got that one Well, the, the lawyer but... thing doesn't kick into that. Oh, that's true. That's the true. lawyer thing is just because he saw, watched Law and Order one episode. Well, it comes back to him thinking he's smart. Well, that was for one episode. Oh. But in one episode where they think Mac is a serial killer... Uh, Charlie has been watching lots and lots of Law and Order, <laughs> and that's why he thinks he's a lawyer. And ever since then, they keep letting Charlie Day do his Southern lawyer accent whenever their chance arises. So he's always specialised in bird law, mostly. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on the jury, <laughs> that he does all those things. Um, so uh, okay, D D thinks she's an actress and a comedian. Yeah, she thinks she's really funny, really talented. She thinks this is another one. She thinks that it's not too late for her. That <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna happen for her. Like... Oh, just thought of uh, another one for Dennis and Dee. They share another one, which does repeat. Mm. Uh, they're both drug addicts. They're both crack addicts. <laughs> I forgot. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> they're both. They're both crack horse. They're both addicted to crack cocaine. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, going back, D. Well, there were, so oh, for a whole season, Mac was fat. <laughs> that was a blind obsession, right? Oh, that Mac thought he was super muscular, but in fact was just fat. That's the episode where he turns out to be healthier than Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the diabetes. Uh, yeah, so... Matt, there's that's that's the whole thing. Uh, for one season. The actor Rob McElhenney put on fifty pounds of fat. That's a lot of weight. And he wanted the whole cast to do it with him because he was watching a sitcom 
and it was in their sixth season because everyone looks better than they did at the beginning. You never see it go the other way. So he wanted everyone in the cast to get fat with him and no one did. <laughs> and he put on 50 pounds of fat just by eating chimichangas from like a bin bag or whatever. And then he shows up just first episode of season seven and he's fat and there's no explanation for it. He's just fat. And with a big thick beard, this looks terrible. And then at the end of the season, they explain why he got fat, and it's for the stupidest reason. And then season eight, he's back to normal. But um, through that episode, he's constantly thinking that he's not fat but muscular. <laughs> God, cultivating mass. He's cultivating mass. Uh, there's, there's that. There's that. Um, there's that bit where he gets stuck in the sewer and he goes, you know what's happened is uh, I've gotten too muscular that I can't fit through. <laughs> no. uh, so yeah, Mac had that. D, yeah, so D, she's, she thinks she's, <laughs> she, she thinks she's a liberated woman when in fact she's a whore. She's a slut. <laughs> right? Every time, every time D Reynolds stands up and talks about how liberated she is as a woman, in the next moment, you will know that she will immediately like sell her body for money. Like she does it with Roxy, uh, the episode where Frank wants to marry a prostitute. Oh yeah, yeah. She's like, I can't. I, she's rallying against prostitution for the whole episode. And then as Roxy, as she finds out how much money Roxy is making and how much crack Roxy is having, she decides to become a fucker. <laughs> She finds out her feet are abnormally large, and so there's a fetish thing for that. And she's like, oh, she comes in proudly and goes, I've become a foot girl. <laughs> she's just, uh, she just doesn't get it at all. Um, uh, yeah, so the Five Star Man episode where she's on bunches, yeah. she goes out on dates has sex with men then rates them zero thinking that's empowering her but in fact oh, yeah. she's become this free <laughs> prostitute yeah. for the whole community that they're all taking advantage of so she's a pro- she's, she's a total slut but she thinks of herself as like a as a liberated woman what else Is she, yeah she's a crack addict she thinks she's an actress and a comedian and all those things um she <laughs> this one episode where she's suicidal the gang broke D oh god yeah that's a great episode it is that I mean that's <laughs> in a nutshell that's how grotesque the show is yes you have a character at breaking point yes suicidal yes and so they spend the episode making it worse they do yeah they absolutely do um and uh <clears throat> Yeah, Frank. Frank's dimensions. Uh, he's a businessman. Yeah, we have dimensions. Big important obsessions. Yeah, I know uh, what you meant. He's he's, uh, <laughs> he's he's a businessman, but actually he's like a horrible gambler. He's an embezzler. He's a fraudster. Um, he gets all these. He, Frank's obsessions are schemes. He comes up with schemes. Um. So one of his obsessions is <clears throat> selling guns. There's a whole episode where Frank creates a moral panic just so he can sell guns. Um, there uh, and abuse the news. Oh, one of his obsessions is conspiracy theories. Um, another of his obsessions is making deals and being corrupt. You know, he tries to bribe politicians and all that kind of stuff. There's one episode where they all want to be politicians, for example. Dennis wants to be uh, comptroller. Charlie wants to be his campaign executive, and so on. So they- I like I like the schemes, uh, blind obsession actually as well. Yeah, because um, there's that whole episode where he ditches the gang, doesn't mm. he? And he finds a new yes, a new gang that yes. in a, in a they've just clubbed together all their money yeah. to open a pub around yes. the corner, and he keeps on doing trying to get these schemes going, and ends yes. up fate like. He ends up destroying them. Destroying them, yeah. Yes, because he, he... He gets those of underage people into the bar or something, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and le- loses ferrets and then calls the health inspector. <laughs> and he expects them to fix all this. Yeah. Because that's the fun of it. But instead he destroys them. Um, and just when they go like, hey, hold on, maybe he can help us, he runs away. Uh, he wants to be a man-cheater in that episode as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, okay... So enough reminiscing. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, so you can see, and then there's the secondary characters that have obsessions, like the lawyer, who is both a pedophile and obsessed with the size of his hands. Yeah. Nobody luck. Nobody luck. <laughs> uh, that guy. Um, and they have, and as I say, they have obsessions for one episode, and sometimes uh, an obsession is vague enough that it will come out differently. So they're very competitive. But in one episode, that obsession will play out as the game they come up with, Chardy McDennis. Mm. And in another one, <clears throat> that obsession comes out as, um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the episode where they're all in the restaurant and they're sort of trying to see who will pay tribute to whom. I, who will come up first to the table and say hello. Because they're both, uh, Charlie and Frank are having their anniversary at one table and Mac and Dennis are having another anniversary at another table. And uh, it's a question of which one of them will get up to the other table and say, hi, I pay tribute. And so the whole episode is built around that refusal for each one of them to pay tribute. Uh, you have other episodes such as the competition between Frank, D, and Dennis over who can get Charlie and Mac to do something through the ass-kickers cult that they've invented. And... <laughs> Uh, Frank is obsessed with them eating a turd sandwich whereas Dennis wants them to immolate themselves and commit suicide for him which is <laughs> so much worse because he's a golden god he's the golden god um, Dee just wants them to rebuild their apartment so they're not living with her anymore um, there's other obsessions such as that they can make it the competition such as they can win the bet whether or not they can live in the suburbs for a month yeah, um, and uh, Mac feeds Dennis the dog. I love that. I love that episode. <laughs> it's so good. But you also get the schemes thing from the other side. Yeah, like because the characters turn up because uh, that's just um, it's just those two in that episode, isn't it? Mostly those. Yeah, two. It's mostly those two. But then you see the other two characters. Uh, the other characters pop up for dinner, and Charlie and uh, Frank are both wearing Russian hats. Yeah, and we don't know why. We don't know why. <laughs> you don't know what's going on with that. Um, then there's the episode where they're on the mountain. And they all have their obsessions about being on the mountain and the competition of the mountain. Um, there's the episode where Mac and Dennis break up, and Charlie for that episode is an expert on cats. If you remember. He's an expert on cats. Uh, Mac and Dennis, their obsession is that they oh, don't yeah, need yeah, each yeah. other. Yeah. But in fact, they are totally dependent on each other. So we did these like one shot. Yeah, these are obsessions. obsessions yeah. And they're, they're built out of their characters, so they're organic. But they're not necessarily... You could take any one of these obsessions and then repeat it with enough variety that it becomes something yeah. that they keep doing. But <clears throat> the point is... See, we've gone through all these obsessions, all these things. You can see how many obsessions and how varied those obsessions and are. And this is, this is a show that's run for... 11 seasons. 11 seasons, some 13-episode seasons. The yeah. latest few have been 10 episodes yeah. each. So this is... Something like 130 a, episodes. Uh, yeah, there's a, something like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> so there's one episode where they're on a plane and uh, it's all about whether or not they can beat Wade I've made Luke go. That's, uh, that's my fa- that's my favorite episode. Yeah, right. Um, the where they're on the plane, it's like, can they drink more beers on a plane yeah. than Wade Boggs did, and then hit a home run? And <laughs> Mac is obsessed with being the guy in charge, and everyone else is kind of obsessed with winning. And Dennis is actually more obsessed with having sex with someone on the plane. Yeah. So is Frank. <laughs> Frank has his whole his whole I can do whatever I want because I can't be a pilot give me a beer I'll chug him right now <laughs> too many bubbles <laughs> so, just leave me here so, so anyway <laughs> they have all this obsession and you can see just how how much variety there is how many different obsessions how they're linked to each other and how they're consistent with each other, but there's such a huge a variety here. And these characters aren't that dimensional. No. These are just variations on the same sort of dimensions that they have. For example, they all share a dimension which is that they're tenacious and apathetic. On the one hand, they are incredibly driven to do whatever they're doing <laughs> blindly to the end of the line. Uh, like, one episode, they think they're cannibals. So they're, they're going to eat human meat from the morgue, Right? On the one hand, they're incredibly tenacious, but then, on the other hand, they're incredibly apathetic and they don't care about anything. 
to the point where they'll destroy someone's life, have something else take their interest, and then when the person comes back from, for revenge, they've forgotten what they did, <laughs> or they don't care. Um, they're obsessed with class and their manners. Um, the, <laughs> there's, the, there's an episode where they're obsessed with bringing back the rivalry they had with another pub. And uh, they go to the guy's house, destroy his house. They set his lawn on fire. They flood his house by leaving all the taps on and blocking the sink and the toilets and all that stuff. They nail his shoes to the floor and all that kind of stuff. And then, but they get bored with that because there's some kids at a university that's not paying them enough respect. So they forget about this. Ro- the- this guy's house that they've ruined. And when the guy at the end of the episode storms in and goes, right, that's it. The rivalry's back on that. We don't care about that anymore. And he screams and slams them. And I go, what kind of a guy slams a door? How rude is that? Right? So they're very oblivious, but they're very pernickety. Like they pick up on the smallest thing and won't let it go. But at the same time, they don't care about anything. So they have... I would think two, three dimensions each at most. They're not very dimensional characters. Are they loyal and disloyal? Yeah, they betray each other at the at the yeah. last moment. But I was trying to think if I I knew they were disloyal. I was trying to think whether they're actually loyal. They can at be. all, because they're all incredibly selfish. They are incredibly selfish. But I didn't know if that was just a trait. Oh, actually, or no, they're, they're never actually... loyal to each other. No, they never really do anything like that. Um, so it's just a trait rather than... I, I just had a flashback to Dennis's CC Pounder. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn it, Dutch. Uh, but, so, but, yeah, anyway. They, so, as you can see, they're like two, three dimensions each, these characters. They have three or four blind obsessions each. And what you get from this, just from us retelling you all these episodes, what you see from this is the amount of variety this show can have because all they have to do they can have a check you can seriously you could just have a checklist of the ensemble cast and go okay charlie's blind obsession with being a lawyer plus dennis's blind obsession with being a psychologist what happens that's an episode right there dennis's blind obsession being a psychologist with charlie's blind obsession with the waitress that's another episode and you can keep doing that for as long as, and that's how you can run for 130 episodes so for example th- those two examples I just gave Dennis is a lawyer uh, sorry Dennis is a psychologist Charlie is a lawyer right so the two of them are trying to solve a case some sort of case comes up right They're, they did an episode where um, there's this whole mystery of who pooped the bed right <laughs> but you could take that same premise and play it with Charlie and Dennis in the detective roles Hmm. So Charlie's the lawyer going, you know, trying to work it out. I'm a specialising bird law and doing his Columbo and all that stuff. And and Dennis is like, well, we have to analyse what kind of, what it would take for someone to poop the bed, you know, that kind of stuff. But then you have another one where he's a psychologist and he's after the waitress. And De- this is Dennis trying to give him the Dennis system to get Charlie to get the waitress, which is what he does in one episode when he teaches Charlie the Dennis system. Yeah. Right? So those are... That that creates this enormous variety, and it's true for every every sitcom. This is the case. No, I can't think of a sitcom where the character, the only sitcom I can think of where the character is the exact same blind obsession every episode is Faulty Towers, and there are only twelve episodes. The British Office has the same blind obsession. There are twelve episodes. Yeah. So in England where sitcoms and shows last one or two seasons and there's six episodes a season, yeah, fine. One blind obsession can be exhausted. Yeah. yeah. But when th- with this, Fra- Frasier, for example, is obsessed with not being embarrassed, but he's incredibly pretentious. He thinks he's a gourmet artist type guy. He's obsessed with, with love and he's obsessed with proving he's the best psychiatrist. You know? He's got at least five, four or five obsessions. He's got that many. I didn't think he had that yeah. many. Yeah, so there's the episodes where he's being really pretentious. He buys a restaurant. Right. Then there's the episodes where he's after a woman. So the supermodel episode. What do you think of me now? Or the ski lodge episode, <laughs> right? Um, then he's got the episodes where he's terrified of being embarrassed, uh, such as um, the episode where... Um, <clears throat> 
trying to oh there's such a good one oh, 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 something in my tongue I'm always terrified of being embarrassed uh, I can't remember it now it's gone it's Frasier he's always scared of being embarrassed <laughs> I, why can't I think of one the one where he's compete, competing with his father about chess he can't be embarrassed about that the one where he they find <laughs> they find a rare Russian uh, royalty uh, trinket that Martin has and they come to the conclusion that they're descended from Russian royalty only to discover they're descended from people who stole from Russian royalty <laughs> they go we're descended from thieves and whores right and he's uh, he's terrified of being embarrassed about that he's te- he's um he's obsessed with um with uh, uh comp- competition with his brother Niles so when they write a book together or when they get a dinner together with a, with uh, some of the most important scientists in the area and so they start going to the library at night trying to read up and like Fraser's had too much coffee and, and so th- he has like four or five different obsessions and they tell and each one of these tells a different story so the obsessions so the obsession where okay he and Niles are are in competition that kind of story well that tells a different story than if it's the stories where he's um, trying to be pardon me, the stories where he's trying to get a woman or not be embarrassed. In fact what's interesting is it, it, with with uh, with superheroes and stuff you have a rogues gallery of different villains yeah, and the different villains tell different kinds of stories. So Joker tells a different story to Bane, to a different story to Two-Face, to a different story to Riddler okay, Catwoman and so forth with with sitcoms, instead of rogues galleries, they have blind obsessions. Sometimes that blind obsession is a rivalry with someone, but they have all these different blind obsessions. So you would so, just pick and choose for each yeah, episode. Yeah, it's like we should do an episode where we need to do, for example, in Philly, you might go, we need to do a, um, a romance, Dennis romance episode, or we need to do an episode where Mac is tough. Uh, we haven't done one of those in a while. Let's do, what can we do with Mac being tough that we haven't done before? Um, uh, and is there a character that we could put him with that we haven't done before? I mean, that's a great trick for ensemble casts anyway, is finding out which characters haven't been put together in which capacity, which capacity, which character haven't we told an episode from their point of view from? So they recently did an episode with Frank, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, there's there's Frank's point of view. Yeah, it's just, it's a POV camera. The whole whole thing is told. That's a great episode. The the guy, the drug addict guy who tries to kill himself. But the different characters. The show is so dark. It's so, so dark. Different characters coming together is a good point because that's the point we were talking about New Girl the other day, and I think that's Mm. one of the the reasons season four. Season five, sorry, started working in different ways. When you remove yeah. that central character, all of a sudden they had to start putting different characters together, and actually it brought something else yeah. on the show that wasn't there before. And we mentioned this in the other comedy podcast, uh, the Trifecta comedy podcast, where uh, Parks and Recreation, yeah, to breathe life into those characters, they brought in Eagle Town. Yeah. So, um, Eagleton. Eagleton. I haven't seen those seasons. I can't yet, remember. But, yeah. I can't remember what it was called. But they, yeah, they bring in the neighbouring city. Um, Eagleton, Eagleton, I think it was. Um, anyway, they, and that brings a whole new cast of characters because, uh, you know, we we talk about dimension and stuff. To 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 have dimensions come out, you need to cast around them, different situations yeah. and so forth. And so having an ensemble, particularly in a, in a sitcom television thing where you have to pay for guest stars, you want the ability to make as much story as you can out of the central cast, and so. Over the course of 11 seasons, these characters have developed a couple of dimensions, half a dozen obsessions, and all the writers have to do, I say as if it's easy, it's not, (laughs) but what the writers have to do is if they have this big chart in front of them of, well, what characters haven't we put together? What, What haven't we done? Uh, what guess, combinations have we? Not I guess done? one thing the chart would show you is if you're if you have exhausted, if you've repeated something a yeah, lot, yeah, yeah, um, uh, and it would. It's one of those things where you might not use. I I I always feel that that chart to me is one of those things where you don't need it most of the time, but when you do need it, it's the one thing you really do need. Yeah, and people forget about it. Um, it's just interesting, like, if you have this big cast of characters, the way to keep it fresh every time is you change 
just who's in what scene. Yeah. It's French scenes. Yeah. You know, just change who's in what scene. Um, and so, yeah, you know, you have one scene where, okay, it's just this character on their own. Okay, it's these two characters on their own. It's this character and this character. And then when you factor in things like blind obsessions, then you can go, okay, it's these two characters with these obsessions. This character with that obsession. And so, and, and it goes back and forth, and then you have all, enormous yeah. variety. A good, except I've been thinking through this. Eventually, we'll come to the question of what we'll take to our own writing. Mm. Um, but before we get there, I was just thinking the, this. I like the idea of this chart, and obviously, this is something that very few of us would ever need to encounter mm. because you know, uh, a lot of people listening would be um, novice writers or towards the beginning of their careers. Yeah. Um, and so, why would something like that be useful? But I got thinking. Obviously, um, spec scripts. Uh, yeah. are a thing and actually sitting down with a show like Philly yes. and if you're going to write a spec script well actually it would be interesting to do something along these lines and note down okay what blind obsessions do the yeah. characters have and then trying to find new combinations well you that did that when you when you did that yeah, spec we, for Modern Family yeah we did Modern Family and we actually did New Girl as well yeah um, but with Modern Family if I remember you realised Luke and Manny hadn't had a plot no, was it Luke and Manny? Um, we did a Luke and Manny plot. Um, I can't remember if that's because we thought they hadn't had. They are that they, they do have a fair amount of plots together. Then what was it? There was some, I remember. There was one. I remember Jason telling me specifically. You mentioned specifically. He said we hadn't seen that before. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, anyway, but yes, that is yeah. kind of the say. It's kind of the process we went through to write the Modern Family script uh, and to do the the New Girl mm. script, which is just break down as many episodes as you can, yeah, um, and say right, what what are the blind obsessions, and then um, uh, you know we were we're on a a time limit at the time, so we didn't have time to go through. God knows how many Modern Family episodes there are. Mm-hmm. What season are they on now? Eight, seven, seven. I think. That's I think it's finished. seven. Um, but there's 20 episodes a season, 22, 23 episodes a season. So we didn't have time to break down them all, but we did as many as we could. Yeah. We looked at synopsis, synopses of all the others, and then we just tried to find something that was just a little bit different, yeah. a little bit newer. Yeah. Um, because if something's already exhausted, then there's no way the show would go back to it, well, right. you'd think. A good show like Modern Family wouldn't anyway. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah, that's something uh, I would... Am I right? That's something we could do as writers. I think so. I would think that's something that, I, I would think that like that. That's the point of this. Is I think is just these blind obsessions. There's so many of them, and it's so that the, these characters can keep going. I mean, you wouldn't if you were doing just a film, a filly. You wouldn't do this. No, no, no. But how else are you going to get these characters to run for 130 episodes? If you go back and watch Philly from the beginning, a lot of these obsessions aren't there. No. They came in. You know, they would do an episode and they would obviously love the dynamic. And then they'd bring that again and again and again and again. And then it becomes a recurring thing for the character. What's interesting with Philly as well is obviously Frank's not there for season one. No. And they realized they lacked something. I don't know if they um, realised that they lacked something. It was, I think, it was they lacked ratings. Oh, was that the problem? I think the show wasn't doing very well, and they wanted to bring someone in a big name to give it a shot <laughs> in the arm, and they were worried that Danny DeVito would ruin it. They wanted Danny DeVito. Uh, the studio did. Yeah. The people who did the show were worried that oh he'll come in big star, ruin everything. <laughs> And it turned out to be a match made in heaven because Danny DeVito was just up to do whatever he, whatever they wanted. He had no problems. He'll just do it all. And they were like, great, we can have him do all kinds. And he's funny. You know, I, I saw a 10-minute interview um, on a talk show with Danny DeVito. I think it was the Jonathan Ross show. Yeah. Um, which, for American listeners, just... Uh, uh, just our version of a talk show not, yeah. not especially good but I thought oh Danny DeVito great always sunny yeah. uh, didn't mention it once the show did not come up uh, probably all. wasn't a big thing in England at the time might have been well it's last year oh I don't know if it's a big thing over here Philly. is Philly a big thing it's only on Netflix so I guess not it's never been on Sky or anything else it's not. just Netflix it's a Netflix gem <laughs> um, but uh I mean, I've seen him when he's in America. They talk about Philly all the time. Do they? Yeah. Ah, maybe there you go. That's the yeah. The show I saw him once do an interview, and he just did it as Frank. 
<laughs> they asked him, you know, what's it like to be Frank, and he just started turning into Frank. <laughs> this, uh, it's Frank, a botch job. Frank, oh, it's a botch job. Frank, one of Frank's obsessions is seeing how far he can go, right? Yeah. How far can I go? It's like I'm gonna bang my niece. <laughs> he tries. He, he tries to have sex with his sister-in-law at his brother's funeral. <laughs> this is this is how grotesque he is. <laughs> this is just such a horrible show. Um, I forget. But yes, so I think that's that's the thing to take away. You have all these okay. obsessions. You know, if you're gonna write an ensemble show, whatever, there's all these obsessions. And that there's all this variety when you realise well, you, how you can combine them. And then how about when we're... I mean, okay, if we're writing a spec or for writing on someone's show, yes. But what about if we're, if we're creating thump, something from scratch? Yeah. Is there something oh, well, else to take away here? Well, yeah, if you're creating something from scratch, immediately you can use this to realise something. If you're writing a, a story and you have three central characters... And they're very clear to desires and all that. You're not writing a long-form story. You're not writing something that can go forever. That has a very finite amount of space to it. Mm. Because how? what can you really get out of those three characters after, you know, two, three episodes? I mean, think about it. If you have three characters... Sorry, say you have two characters, two main characters. That's yeah. it, right? Like a typical buddy story. You have two main characters. Okay. You have scenes where they're on their own. So that's two scenes. Yeah. Character A on his own, character B on his own. And then character A and B together. That's three. That's three possible setups. Yeah. So where are you going to get it from? You have to get it from outside those characters. Which is why in body cop stories, you have to have lots of interesting criminals. Right? Yeah. On the other hand, let's say you don't have that. Let's say you have five characters. Okay. Well, now you've got each of them on their own. That's five scenes. You've got each pair. That's another five scenes. Oh, sorry, another ten scenes, beg your pardon. Each trio, that's another ten scenes. Each quattro, that's another five scenes. And then all of them together, that's 31 different variations with five characters, right? And that's not including the possibility that these characters might have multiple obsessions and so forth. Yeah. So that's all assuming they all have one blind. That's obsession. assuming they have just they're, they're sort of very basic characters, maybe yeah. one dimension or whatever. So straight away, that's what thirty-one possible scenes, without ever repeating yourself, and that's not considering things like logic, such as well, you're going to repeat certain scenes because yeah. certain characters are going to come back and do certain things, right? But that's that's just five characters, thirty-one scenes, thirty-one different possible combinations if you did one combination and only that's it that's all you did one one of those possible things for the whole episode and so you had a 20 minute episode show that's 31 episodes and you'll never repeat mm. so you start so that and obviously you wouldn't do that because you know if you're running a television series for example uh even if you're not running a television series, even if you're running a novel or a comic people not everyone wants to see every character equally some people prefer certain characters. So they'll, you know, if you have, like, for example, you're watching Philly, you know, you want Dennis in every episode, for, say. Yeah. Say Dennis is your favorite character. You're not going to be very happy if you watch an episode and Dennis isn't in it. Right? Yeah. So, and also he's under contract. But if you're, even if you weren't having actors, if you're just writing it or as a comic book, you know, people want to see every member of the Justice League. They want to see them all. So you wouldn't necessarily do that. But the point is that you realize just how many variations you have that are completely different before you start having to think about what you actually have to write and put together. Yeah. So there's an, so you look at that and you go, well, I've got so many options available to me. There's going to be a huge mine of possible story. And then you've got on top of that all the different obsessions and different situations, different settings, and then secondary characters. and So, so then you go, okay, this has enough breadth See, the problem with Parks and Recreation is they don't have enough obsessions. That's why they get exhausted. Ron Swanson has one blind obsession. Two, but, sorry, blind obsessions. What does Ron have? Ron Swanson's blind obsession is that he's a tough man. Yeah. And the other obsession that he has is Tammy. 
his wife. Oh, of course. Well, and Tammy only occurs yeah. occasionally. Oh, the third obsession is that he hates government. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all he has. He has three jokes. Three jokes. He, now, okay, that sounds fine. The rest of the car, he's probably actually, you know, I think about it, He's he was the bad example because he probably has the most obsessions. Yeah. What's Tom's obsessions? Uh, he's a wheeler and dealer. Yeah. End. What's Amy mm-hmm. Poehler's, uh, what's the character? Snope. Or is that the guy from Force Awakens? That's the guy from Force Awakens. Snoke? Leslie no, Snoke, Snoke is from Force Awakens. Snoke. Snoke. Yeah. Snoke. No, you're right, it's Snoke. It's Snoke, isn't it? Leslie Snoke. Leslie Snoke. I don't know. What's her <laughs> obsession? Right, what's she her obsession? She loves government. Yeah, she's a big bureaucrat. She might have one more. I don't know. Andy's. But Macklin, FBI. <laughs> right? Is an obsession. What else does he have as an obsession? Um, the girl. Oh, yeah. April. April, thank you. Uh, Is that it? It might be. Rob Lowe, happiest man alive. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. These characters have one, two. Swanson has three obsessions each. It's not a dimensional problem. It's it's just that it's a variety problem. They keep telling the same joke again and again and again, which is why when they hit season four, they've run out. And halfway through season five, they have to bring in a whole new cast. I think with their own obsessions, like Councilman Jam. You've all, I see, don't <laughs> I had to. I haven't seen Jam yet. Oh, it's all about um, Jam. But so you, you've answered the question I was going to ask, which yeah. was, um, can a show? I mean, how we, not how easy would it be? But uh, I guess an example of a show that exhausted its blind obsessions. But there you it go, Parks, Parks and Rec exhausted. So, but they fixed it. They fixed it. F- they did fix it. Um, bringing in that Eagleton really did work. But then that didn't last forever. But regardless, the point is like. You know, you're asking. You know what? It, it, it's it's kind of looking at the available design space. Like how how much space is there? How many things can you do with these characters? Mm. You know, Superman and Columbo and these guys can last for as long as possible, provided you keep coming up with really interesting villains and criminals and crimes and cases for them to solve. They can go forever because it's what's outside that is is where you have to put all your effort in. So provided that the character can keep being challenged in different ways, great. Yeah. But with this kind of stuff as well, where, where it's about these ensemble characters, it's a question of well, how deep is this cast? If this cast has only characters that have only a couple of dimensions, cut one or two obsessions each, and there's half a dozen of them, you're going to run out really quickly. You know, I say there's 31 variations in a cast of five. Yeah. You're going to use that 31 variations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to go. See, my my concern for Philly would be, now that we've kind of broken this down, yes. they've clearly got enough obsessions and enough variation yes. to to keep going. Like, I don't feel like they're yeah. beginning to be exhausted. Yeah, well, I, I think the just problem... pointed out the lawyer-psychologist combo. They haven't actually No, done. they haven't. But <laughs> the problem for Philly would be... Um, I don't know if keeping it believable is the way to put it because these things aren't believable but like they've pushed the character so far now yeah. in how grotesque they are yeah. will it get to a point where it will just be too shocking or just too silly I, I don't know I don't know it depends like I'm, I'm having we'll seen see. having seen the two part of the gang goes to hell at the end of season 11 I am excited for season 12 because like where do you go from there I'm excited because now that they know Glenn Houghton can do CCH Pounder <laughs> impressions I want to see more of them <laughs> is this like Kate Olsen's sick impression yeah her, her gag reflex that keeps coming back um, there's an episode Well, and so long as they can keep coming up with random obsessions like they have to be quarantined you know Frank's obsession with germs yeah. generates a whole episode out of that yeah. that turns out that they're all alcoholics there's another obsession um, but, that's, but that, that obsession but those, with that, germs though comes from his character though doesn't it I mean, well, they it, all do but it's just that it's not an obsession it doesn't drive a story Oh, I see. and then it starts driving they, they take a trait turn it into driving a, yeah, a whole yeah, story yeah. and then if it's good enough they keep bringing it back and then all of a sudden this character now has this this thing that they can tell and it's not that it's a dimension of the character. I mean, in in that particular case, it is a dimension because Frank is grotesque and doesn't look clean anything. And yet in one episode, suddenly he's obsessed with being clean. Yeah. Right? So there is a dimension in that instance. But these characters aren't getting more dimensionalized. They're just... There's more to them. Anyway. 
Anyway, so that's it. So you know, ta-da! <laughs> Watch more Philly. Yeah. Well, you don't need to. We told you everything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.